Tonight's final bout is for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, scheduled for one fall or to curfew. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. The last of the titans. In the passion and death of their struggle, the very art that had raised them to such Olympian heights was lost. Their techniques vanished. Referee giving instructions here to both principals, and this should be one whale of a match to wind up things here in Madison Square Garden. All right, fans of the Titans of Wrestling, if you're digging this show, you got to know that we've been doing them for a while. We've got an archive of shows that you're going to blow your mind. Just head on over to the Place to Be Nation to check them out. Titans of Wrestling Archives, you know you want to hear it. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Titans of Wrestling. Uh, Pete, how are you doing this week? Doing great. Doing fantastic. <laughs> Johnny, how are you doing? I'm drunk as fuck. <laughs> and uh, Kelly? Uh, it's actually dark here now, which is weird, but uh, which is unusual. All right, so. <laughs> and, and, and it's light here, Kelly. It's light. <laughs> So, so uh, this week, um, we are taking a departure from our usual uh, kind of MSG, kind of uh, Philly loving to spend uh, some time in Allentown, of all places, uh, where they did a lot of the TV tapings. Um, so, and basically what we're going to look at uh, is a storyline um, that was running all through February Uh 1981, and it's the Cobra Clutch Challenge uh, storyline. Listen, maggot. With a Sergeant Slaughter. Now, Pete, is this the is this the first time that he'd run the Cobra Clutch Challenge, or had he done it elsewhere? I mean, I know he's done it elsewhere. I know he did it in the Carolinas in the build to the final conflict. Uh, there's also the tell they made kind of Barry Windham a star. Uh, they used the Cobra Clutch Challenge when he was Blackjack Windham Jr. Uh, and he gave like one of the give him a rub. He did it to the dirty white boy as an undercard guy. Uh, I like to his, give a rub first. Yeah, his his private Nelson ended up turning babyface at the end and showed <laughs> Jay Youngblood how to break the clutch and stuff. And it was different than the way Patterson eventually uh, broke it here and stuff. So, so, um, so I mean, really- you can see you can see offshoots of it now today. I mean, like you saw with the Master Lock Challenge when Chris Masters was still employed by the WWE. During the, the tough enough thing, they kind of did an offshoot of that where uh, mm. Daniel Peter ends up catching, uh, it depends on who you hear the story from, but catches uh, 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 Angle in, in, a, in a Camira lock and stuff like that because it was similar to that when they're doing the Angle challenge, uh, trying to break break his move and the, stuff. So. I mean, there was a kind yes, of. That backstage Undertaker threw him through a wall. <laughs> the, 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 what the, the fuck are you doing, dummy? There was a kind of thing of like doing challenges in the like the, the 70s and yeah, the, yeah. around this because uh, didn't uh, there, there was the Persian Club Challenge of course. Yep. On, yep. Uh, yep. I think I think that was running on Georgia TV right around this time actually. 
Iron Sheik, of course, uh, doing the, the Persian Club Challenge. And two years later, he's doing oh, it back it? when they made 84 or 83. And then they, and then they, re, yeah. they re-run it. American wrestler cannot use. So they re-ran the uh, Persian Club Challenge from TBS, uh, and they did it again on WE, uh, WWF TV. And then they re-ran the Cobra Clutch Challenge uh, angle on Crockett TV in 83, right? So, um, but there was, I'm sure there were other challenges as well, right? This was a kind yeah. of like a, a staple of the booking. Uh, so it was, it was quite cool to see this play out, you know, week after week. Yeah. Um, have, any, have any of you guys seen this stuff uh, before? Yeah. I had, I, I had saw, go on, Kelly. Okay, sorry. Uh, I saw the, the main angle before yeah. with Patterson. That one I I've saw, seen. Yeah, I've seen the Patterson one and I saw the uh, the McGraw the McGraw one and stuff. Uh, and then the subconventional match they had in Philadelphia. Yeah. That we'll eventually see. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't, I'd seen like, you know, a Cobra Cut challenge here and there. I hadn't seen them all together like this before, though. So I thought that was quite cool to see a piece. That was really effective, especially in episodic television when you go week to week to week. When they're eventually, if there's a payoff at the end, and here there definitely was a payoff in spades, and led uh, to payoff, the, yeah, and the payoff and everything. This was so Memphis. I loved it. Love every bit of it. For 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 every uh, person that goes, oh Memphis, uh, too hokey. I'm like this is awesome, and this is Memphis. It's just yeah. it's, it's so Memphis. <laughs> I love it. One uh, thing that was interesting for us, I mean, this week in, ge- or in general, is that we've been watching a lot of the big uh, kind of monthly MSG shows or the Spectrum shows. We haven't really been watching a lot of TV. And, um, and you know, on the Georgia shows a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, like, we were trying to make comparisons across from the Georgia TV to the WFTV, and it occurred to us that we hadn't seen a lot of WFTV. So... Any kind of general thoughts on the presentation of WFTV here in 81 before we uh, get into it? Pete, any thoughts? It's, um, watching the, the Clutch Challenge and having Slaughter because he was such an A1 heel that he was just getting heat everywhere. So it just made the television that much memorable. And you can just tell the difference between like a hot territory and right then it was really picking up steam, it seemed like, even after losing Bruno. Yeah. Um, uh, it seems like they're coming to finally realizing Bruno's going to be gone for a while, and uh, now we're the heir parents, Bob or whoever, and uh, they're going to uh, uh, and they have Slaughter who's just uh, over huge as a heel, and they try to cut a promo. He could do take bumps, and he has this really cool challenge, a Cobra Clutch challenge that gets over his finish, um, gets it helps gives, gives you another wrinkle of his character and stuff, and it made the television fresh as opposed to watching maybe watching Central States or something where it was real, you know, just not there. Or even Georgia seemed hot, but they were pretty much trying to do like, or like we are just talking about how you present different angles in different things. They were pretty redoing the uh, Freebird uh, blinding angle with JOID from New Orleans and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but GC Georgia seemed uh, hot, you know. I mean, if you could go from like, you know, if you happen to have cable at the time, you know, living living in the north in the northeast as I did, wrestling was meant to be boring except for these bursts of entertainment that made you go, hey, you know, but you watched it every Saturday and it was boring and 
you know, but mm-hmm. there were some characters and you hear oh, about, about these the live shows. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. Georgia was and, more and, hot and, shoddy too in the yeah, angles. Yeah, and, and everything they else. They were shooting angles so, every yeah, week or exactly. every other week yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Now, why, yeah. Or maybe a monthly angle or something, now, you know, that builds. Weekly. Uh, yeah. my, my impression is that uh, Vince Sr. was very much a slow burn guy, whereas uh, Georgia was basically seemed much more book from week to week. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it seemed like to me. Vince Sr. Like you know, we have an audience, Vinny, and then we and we have a a, a connection. We're the biggest, uh, and let's just keep it that way, okay? And down south, everyone's always like, "Well, how are we gonna fucking get over and, and do something that's gonna compete with the?" Pro- I mean, the Georgia even had like, "Well, you know, this promotion next door that's stealing this one, that one, boom, 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 boom. How are we gonna?" You know, compete yeah. here and there, and New York is you know, it was New York, and yeah. uh, but you, you know, I mean, Vince Senior interests me because, it, I mean, he seems like a very conservative uh, uh, promoter, but in, if you think about, it, he's a very masterful promoter. Like he took mm-hmm. Backlund, and he's like, right, well, I mean, you, you hear what Kevin Sullivan said. He took uh, he took Backlund, and Eddie Graham said, you know, you should probably take Kern. Uh, and you know you're gonna struggle to get back and over. And he just made like he made sure he was selling out MSG, etc. Like he, you know, he's a he knew his territory and he booked it to perfection. You know, he you know, he, yeah, yeah, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Um, any thoughts about the TV, Kelly? And uh, do, um, you, do you know why it was uh, why Allentown? Uh, why Allentown? No, I, I I'm not sure because. Before Allentown, they filmed in Philadelphia, actually, at the Civic Center, if I'm not mistaken, for quite not a few the years. Not Civic Center, sir. Yeah, no. Uh, oh, no, it was the Philadelphia sh- Arena, right. Uh, that, well, Arena. it could be then, maybe. I believe uh, that's where, just... yeah, 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 because the Civic Center was a pretty uh, big place. Yeah, it was no, the Philadelphia Arena. That's it, it wasn't, it felt it felt like a big place in 1986-87. It felt yeah. like this place was as big as a spectrum. Uh, and no, it wasn't. It was, it right. was very small. Yeah, it, it was the Philadelphia Arena. And I don't really know. It did, on from what I've seen of the TV, it wasn't probably that much bigger than the Agricultural Hall in Allentown. Um, I think it was just, you know, a convenient thing. It was mm-hmm. in the territory. It was close. It was probably cheaper, you know, whatever uh, place to run TV. As far as like um, the week to week and sort of uh, the comparisons between Georgia and New York, one thing that's interesting is that if you look at the attendance for the Omni shows and other shows in Georgia, the attendance is very up and down. It fluctuates quite mm-hmm. a bit where you'll get a lot of big shows and then you know, half the attendance for the next show and then back up and then back down. Whereas in New York and Madison Square Garden, it was very consistent. They were very consistent, around 20,000 near sellouts every time. Mm. So maybe that speaks a bit towards the booking, you know, the fast-paced booking. Um, no, that speaks to me. You're in the, you're at the garden, baby. You're, yeah. It's, it's the top. That's true. They the had, top. I mean, there are a lot more people 
in New York yeah, than yeah, in Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. A lot more people to draw from. Yeah. With a lot more uh, like in, uh, disposable income too, I think. But yeah, 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 that too. That's that true. too. But so yeah, you did have to like, you know, because a lot of people are like, what do you want to do tonight? What's going on at the garden? Is it the what, what the Globetrotters? Let's go see the Globetrotters. Oh, what, oh, it's wrestling. Let's go get to the wrestling matches. So the reason I asked about this Allentown thing, uh, Kelly, is uh, it, I think that the the taping gives the TV show a different, like a really strange kind of feel almost. Like they're in the, where are they? The Agricultural Hall in Allentown. Mm-hmm. And it gives, yeah. a, it gives yeah. the whole thing a kind of like, I don't want to say staid kind of atmosphere, but it does kind of make the product, the TV product, seem a little kind of, I don't know, it doesn't seem as exciting as some of the other TV. It, it felt more to me, more towards the St. Louis TV product. Uh, that I agree. We, I, think, that we I, think, I think St. Louis even had way more angles than uh, uh, <laughs> WWF uh, television. In 81. Because mm. uh, they, uh, they only, they, I think they only shot, I only thought, well, I mean, I wish we had more television to look at because I really don't think we had shot too many angles. Could you yeah, remember the, think... you remember the Patterson challenge? Yeah. Um, you know, you think about it. You remember the Persian club? So I'm just kind of thinking of what else. Yeah. WWF running... definitely didn't have many angles, but I would say the AWA was maybe the the closest comparison because I don't, I think their TV was pretty very bland. Similar. I think, and yeah, I think they they didn't similar. run very many angles. Either. And I think that's probably why Vince Jr. targeted them a lot too because mm-hmm. it was a promotion that was most similar. Where they had a lot yeah. of big, big guys and yeah, big guys. And so See, I think, Vince, I, I, I think Vince Jr. targeted them because he was like, "Hey, you want to get rich? I've got a plan." <laughs> and he uh, proceeded to uh, uh, do well on that promise because most of the people he stole from uh, Vern made a lot of money. Well, Meltzer is a really interesting uh, thing. I mean, I, I talked about it a few weeks ago on the Where the Big Boys Play, uh, Pete, where uh, he, he talks about how, like, the AWATV was never good. So, like, when Vince came with a better TV product, it was like, you know, knife through butter, basically. Whereas mm-hmm. he, he stru- whereas various people struggled to get into LA for years because he reckons Shire had good TV and that it wasn't until Vince came along with the, with the TV product as good. So I mean, I'm. It's quite interesting. That's why I, he I, probably had problems uh, when he took over the Georgia TV because his TV wasn't as good as what they had been seeing on the Georgia yeah, television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, yeah, you can, and you can see that. You can see yeah. that that uh, they had a good TV, a hot TV show, and it wouldn't be. Uh, I mean, did the WF ever draw you'll in see, Atlanta? You'll see Big John Stud versus Ron <laughs> Stud. You'll like it. Did, God, did they ever? It took a while. I mean, it took him not years. until the Austin years. Yeah, it took I him think. years to be able to draw in in Georgia and the Carolinas. It was yeah. those were the right. and then 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 I think Canada took him a while too. Eventually, they I mean they blew up. Everywhere. Uh, no, oh no, Canada sure. Canada gave over pretty quick actually. Uh, okay. Hogan was massive. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll go back. To yeah, Canada actually. Canada was one of the first uh, outside of the Northeast to fully embrace. But they, they talk about yeah. that. It was St. Louis. You know why? You know why? St. Louis. Because Canadians are nice. Canadians are nice. Yeah. 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 
they, they talk about the sixty thousand, uh, the sixty thousand gate uh, Orndorff uh, Hogan yeah, in Toronto. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big event. Big event. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, Hogan wrestling in in Ontario is huge, but wrestling in Canada is is pretty pretty big in general. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was once once Stampede really closed down, even though the that's when the WWF blew up. Uh, where they no, actually, no. Uh, I, I explained this before. I I knew I lived in Calgary and I knew about right. the WWF before I knew about Stampede, and I lived okay. there. And then, the... I, then it was St. Louis. I know Mad Madisick. I know you've heard this part. Yeah. So it took yeah. took them years to be able to uh, the, to uh, to draw in St. Louis, and same thing with Louisiana. They would go yeah. into Louisiana and try to draw with Hogan and JYD on top, yeah. and they couldn't they, draw. Well, yeah. It's a, it, it's a style. It, even right. as uh, like everybody struggled to draw again, and basically after much Nick, a lot of people struggled to draw in St. Louis because they've been so used to that particular yeah, TV show and product and thing. And then, and like, yeah. like WCW tried to run a show there like ten years later, and they're still harking back to oh, wrestling yeah. in the Trace. You know yeah. what? Like, Starcade, like, you know yeah. what? WCW not being able to draw has nothing to do with wrestling. It had it nothing. It had to do with promotion and lack of. No, <laughs> That's what, 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 what I'm saying That's is when they, when they run Starcade in St. Louis, they're still harking back to that. Still, know, I'm saying yeah. they, they were so they were so stupid and so awful at their job that Starcade <laughs> can't draw. You know. Well, the WWF couldn't draw uh, out of the gate either. It took them years to but, draw. Yeah, right, right. I'm, I'm just saying, but people going, well, it was the talent. Just uh, the booking or the booking. No, no. It was the media marketing of getting this out as a major thing. Yeah, that, 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 there's, there's no question about that. I mean, Steamboat Flare, 5,000 people in the... Super and no game of shit. Yeah. 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 Steve Flair fucking tear the house down. No one cares. No one cares. Um. Now, just before we get on to the to watching this TV, Kelly, uh, how much? Andre, I see, is being a really big guy in Canada. How like important well, was he he's for a the big w- guy everywhere? <laughs> that made sense. How important was he in uh, the WF getting over there? Do you know? Um, I would say first and foremost, it was all about Hogan. Like Hogan became almost like embraced as as one of our own in a lot of ways. How Especially often were they running? How often were they running Canada? You know, uh, quite a bit. At a, at their peak, you would Calgary would get probably three shows a year. Okay. Um, but then out east, probably uh, a lot. Really? Is Brett? Yeah. Is Brett? Is Brett Hart will tell you that? Hogan never got over Hogan could get into a time machine and get 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 over in the Civil War. That's why <laughs> WrestleMania 18 against the Rock and the Skydome the Rock and the Skydome match was such a exactly. big deal because that was a return Hogan returning to Canada after I yep. think a decade exactly. Exactly. Uh, at least you know, they turned and, him and, babyface immediately. Yeah, Hogan is. Oh no, that was cat. totally it. That was totally I, it. The, the, the Canadian crowd was was not having any of this uh, bad guy. Phony Hulk TV. Hulk. Yeah, they weren't buying the TV bill of him uh-uh. blowing the rock out yeah. of the van. I, I think. Uh, I think the fact they run WrestleMania six in Canada was 
shows you how over yeah, exactly. was there. No, know? Hogan in the eighties in Canada was huge, uh, but, a huge deal. I want to say, Mon- like, did they have more trouble with Montreal? Because uh, like uh, you see them like trying to run shows with Dino Bravo headlining in Montreal, so maybe. Yeah. Oh, there's your problem. But then again, Hogan in Montreal is huge. Like he's a he's one of the yeah. all-time biggest draws in Montreal. I, mean, yeah. I like I said, the WWF had no trouble drawing anywhere in Canada. Maybe a bit in Calgary at first because the cards they put on were shitty. They put on fucking main events with Chief J Strongbow in 1985. Okay, maybe not that bad, but they didn't put any of their big stars <laughs> in, uh, in Calgary at that time. But after, like, from 1986 on, it was totally WWF, you know, was all that mattered in Canada. Yeah, and nobody cared about, you know... Uh, the, Nobody the cared about WCW really bear, until the the Montreal or the Monday Night. Nobody cared about WCW until then. No, I, mean, I, I, I I still say that the promotion that put over Calgary the most is WWF. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, if it, it wasn't is, for I mean, hard I mean, and all those really, guys. Really, think about it. Think about it. What other promotion? Did the WWF ever constantly put over as, you know, well, if you wanted to be a wrestler, blah, 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 blah you had to fucking be there. Yep. But that's I it. No, no, no. They never said, you know what you need to do? You needed to be in, in Mid-South with Watts. Nope. <laughs> you know, you had to be in Memphis with Jarrett. Nope. It never they, happened. It was Stu it was Hart. Always, it's always, basically yeah. Stu Hart they put over oh, massively. Totally. Stu Hart. Because so, Stampede died totally with no fanfare at all and at the end of the 80s. No one cared anymore. Um, if it wasn't for I, Bret I like Hart. That, I like to think that's Vince's way of being like, well, I, I fuck Stu on the, the, the money, <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but I made him look great ever since. Because he fucked him on the money in a big way. He did. Way. He didn't pay him yeah. a dime, I don't think. <laughs> it's a big way. I mean, this is quite a major tangent here before we get yeah. into the TV. But I, I want to say uh, they, they took Toronto before they took Calgary. Because the, the Tunnies were right in there. Like, yeah, you know. yeah, they did. <laughs> like but I mean, was dead. Like Stampede was dead um, when WWF came in. Um, they'd lost uh, their TV, I think. They'd lost their arenas in Calgary. They were, they were in big trouble. So, Steamboat um, was huge in uh, Toronto with, for the Tunnies. And, yep, uh, yep. That's the Maple Leaf promotion, right? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Toronto Maple Leaf wrestling. Um, a lot of the NWA guys. Crockett talent. There. Yeah, it was yeah. all Crockett guys in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Um, yeah, I remember one of the funniest uh, stories I read in the Observer back in the day when I was in high school and the Observer was this mimeograph thing. It was a story about NWA going up to Canada. I don't remember where. And it was uh, Dusty and Nikita versus uh, the Horsemen, I believe, uh, Arn and Tully. And the crowd was so pro-horseman and anti-dusty <laughs> that instead of them being like well fuck you here's here's the act they changed and the horsemen became baby faces <laughs> and yeah and dusty and nikita worked heel 
like dastardly heels. Like, <laughs> yeah, I take anything Dave says about Dusty with a grain of salt. After four ninety two, he hates Dusty. He really yeah. does. I, I want no because it's a compliment. I want this story to be true because yeah. I want the story of like Dusty and the kid going. You know what? Fuck it. Let's be bad guys and yeah. play up being bad guys while the horsemen were being good guys. Yeah, I, I I I just love that. Yeah, I'm guessing like the Toronto promotion. I think they got the Crockett Television. That's how they promoted their shows like, off Crockett TV. Yeah. I, I want to say I, uh, I, I, there was a, there was a there was an area of Canada that that suddenly got the Crockett stuff, and for whatever reason, yeah. they were up there. Oh, yeah, I say, that, yeah. It's Ontario. similar to uh, me when I was living in Houston. We got. Houston Television, where they throw like a match or two from the Sam Houston Coliseum, but it was like the Mid South TV show, but with mixed in with like a match or two from the Houston Coliseum. Yeah. To, to, bring, to bring this back to WF, though, I, I want to say Bruno worked up there some. The, yeah, oh, the, big, oh, yeah. Bruno was also over in Canada. He was uh, a star in Toronto before he was a star anywhere yep, else. Bruno, right. Bruno can walk into a coffee shop and be over. Yeah. But, he, I mean, but he, a, did, he didn't yeah. rule in St. Louis. So, I mean, it's like... Toronto has a huge, a huge Italian community. As a guy who grew up in St. Louis, let me say, there's a huge Italian population in uh, yeah. St. Louis. I've been to St. Louis, and I don't think I've ever seen as many Italian restaurants in my life as, uh, as yeah, there are. St. Louis did. Oh, it's New York. I think really? St. Louis has more Italian... Oh, it's, got, yeah. it's got so many Italian restaurants yeah, there. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, they're getting yeah. terrible. Uh, well, of course, uh, Danucci was eating at one of them with uh, so much yeah, milk. That's yeah. why, you know, and that's what made his, his him go. You know what? I give up on life. I, I, you know, this wrestling business has made me have to eat fucking Midwestern Italian food. <laughs> so, uh, if you're from the St. Louis area, I'll just remind you that the comments of Johnny Sorrow are not representative of, uh, of all of us. Uh, okay, well, if you are from the area, I dare you to come here and fuck with me. <laughs> well, we're living here in Allentown, and they're closing all the factory stores. Out in Bethlehem, they're killing time, filling our forms, standing in line. Well, our fathers fought the Second World War, spent their weekends on the Jersey Shore. Moving on, it's uh, February the 21st, and uh, we're back on WFTV, and uh, we're in Allentown uh, for the Cobra Clutch. In here in Allentown, <laughs> and slaughter's gonna burn it to the ground. The setup here. Patterson is gay. Okay. Setup here is that um, well, there's, there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all. Jeff Carson. Kelly, who is this man? <laughs> well, actually, Parv, it's Jack Carson. Yeah, oh, is it really? <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. Bad host. Yeah. Bad host. No, no, no. No, I wrote it right down here. They said Jeff Carson. 
Then yeah. they went Jack Carson. Well, Joe McHugh introduced him as Jeff Carson. Exactly. It's a, it's also and, Jeff on uh, on the uh, James's old notes, so that's where I got it from. Yes, there was confusion because I, I looked for Jeff Carson first on Wrestling Data and couldn't find anything, and then uh, yeah, it, no, Jack Carson was the real name, and Vince um, um, calls him Jack Carson, <laughs> so he's Jack. Don't call me Jeff Carson. Um, don't call me. Don't call me Johnny. Uh, kind of <laughs> a million miles from that, yeah. Um, well, according to Wrestling Data, this was his debut in the WWF this day. <laughs> this was February third. This was it was taped February third, nineteen eighty one, in Allentown, and he he was a part of three separate uh, segments. As you know, back in those days, they taped three weeks worth of TV uh, with each shot. Uh, so besides this, he teamed with our man Dominic Danucci uh, against the Moon Dogs, and he also lost to Hulk Hogan um, uh, in the other match. And so this, I mean, obviously he probably wrestled before this. This was the first result I could find though for him on wrestling data. Was this day a bit harsh on Danucci making him tag with this chump, isn't it? Well, remember if you remember you see that haircut. <laughs> There's a haircut you could set your you set your watch by. Totally. <laughs> this was during Danucci's middle-aged and crazy phase, where he was teaming up with random jobbers, and as we'll see... Oh, no, I'm not going to say anything more. Anyway. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, Jack Carson, this was his first day in New York, first day uh, in, in the WWF, and he's, he's part of the Cobra Clutch Challenge. He really didn't do much, um, according to wrestling data. He wrestled until 1983, um, <laughs> although there's there's no wow. results from in 1982 at all. He wrestled really? in 1981 and 1983. Um, he had one win uh, in in this whole time against someone named Lee Wong from <laughs> guess where? It was at Japan. The Japan. The, <laughs> Hawaii. Dembo Mosque. No, oh, no, no. Lee Wong, who knows where he was from. He's probably from Pittsburgh. But uh, it was at... The Orient. If it was Bill Watts, it'd be the Orient. <laughs> the Orient. The, the, the match was at the Zembo Mosque in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, if you remember. Oh, God. That, that's Dave, Steve King's house. <laughs> Apparently, it's like, it's, it's a place where jobbers' dreams come true, is, is the Zembo Mosque. I'd make it. I, I'd make an Islam joke right now, but I don't want like to die and have someone like crash no. a plane into my fucking neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, we've got enough heat with the Native Americans, Johnny. Leave it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, you know, you've got heat with the with the, the Italians. Yeah, don't say me. Be, uh, me, white man. Yeah, not me, white man. <laughs> Just you and your personal vendetta with Chief J. Strong, bro. I, I love uh, that. Yeah, I, 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 by the way, I love that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make a, a giant dissertation attack on something <laughs> that no one gives a shit about. <laughs> God damn it. It is one of the greatest threads. That's like, it's it's awesome. I love it. it it's, it's so out of nowhere because <laughs> everyone else has these smarky, bitchy dissertations on yeah. Andy Orton, or, or, or this, I mean, and I apologize, the trial of Triple H, and, uh, and this shit, no, not, not our parv, not our parv, it's, hey, you know who sucks, 
Team J Strongbow. That's who sucks. Someone wow. who hasn't wrestled for like 30 years. Yeah. It's the greatest thing ever. He's dead, too. He can't defend him. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking... <laughs> it's the I did his R.I.P. thread at PWO. That was that was me. Oh God! Yeah. It's the great. It's <laughs> a, yeah, I think yeah. that thread's even like JDW proof, is it or not? Uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about, I made a thread called Chief J Strongbow in the microscope section of PWO recently, where I basically just tear the guy to shreds. So. Yeah. Barb gets on one of his like tetraid. Uh, you know, I, 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 gets I almost on the got. Soapbox. I almost started arguing about certain points because you you you, you, you really you really uh, like contradicted yourself a, a, a lot in there. And then I went, nah, you know, no, I'm not gonna bother. He's just, you know, something's bothering him. He needs to. He's he's blowing off steam. You know, so. <laughs> I just, I mean, I still, I, I'll say it on this. I don't understand how he ever got over. I know you don't awful. understand, but here, okay, well, here is your. Your, your own stated disconnect. Your, I mean, your own stated, uh, okay, you can fight. You say, I can't believe that people really cheer him. These people who cheered him and love him so much must be morons. <laughs> but you start it with, you start it with, why are all of these people of note fans? So... Your basic your basic premise is people who of some note and respect. One of them is Vince Russo. Him. One of them is Vince oh, Russo. Well, <laughs> well, no, no, but you, but you, okay, John Stewart, um, and, and all these people, you know, why? And then you go, I can only conclude that these people are race oh morons. And I'm like, going, well, really though, no, but they're not. You you just said, why are these smart people? Liking he, him. He is the worst wrestler I've ever seen. And I've seen now, that. Here's, a, here's a litmus test for you, uh, Johnny. Since uh, you equate being over as being a good worker, are yes. you going to, you, do you say Chief J. Strong was a good worker? I know we're going to have a Okay, okay. No, 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 no. I, I think Chief J. Strongbow can be a good worker. Uh,. When he uh, could hold a crowd in the palm of his hand and 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 uh, and, and go uh, tit for tat with like say Greg Valentine yeah. in the, the matches that we like that match, he, yeah. then yeah, he's a great fucking worker. He's got uh, the Valentine feud to his credit. Okay. But but, but yeah, when yeah, I would see Valentine. when I would see when I would see Jay and Jules Strongbow on Saturday morning TV yeah, yeah. and nobody gave a shit, then <laughs> they weren't good workers because they oh. didn't have nobody gave a shit. They couldn't get him into it, yeah. you know. I say, I, I say, they fucking he worked his ass off in that shark cage match because the crowd, as ridiculous yeah. as it was, the yeah, crowd was crazy. So he's yeah. working. He's your job. Your, his paycheck is to be a professional wrestler who engages the crowd and gets over and makes money and draws tickets. So if you do that, you're doing your job well. If you do your job well, you're good at your work. Therefore, you're a good worker. The only uh, work of his that I have ever appreciated is getting his ass kicked by any lad and then taking a pile of abuse. Hey, off well, that was fantastic. <laughs> that was. <laughs> no, anyway, because we we've got a lot to get in here, guys, yeah. and because uh, um, mm. I've got information about Joe McHugh. Have you got any any more about Jeff Carson, uh, Kelly? <laughs> yeah, sure. 
Um, Jack Carson, sorry. Don't even get his name right. Not, not much. His, his last recorded match was August 29th, 1983, in the place where it all started, Allentown, uh, losing to Salvatore Belomo, which oh, is Christ. pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I have, uh, I have more to say about Jack when when we get to the actual analysis of the... Uh, hey, but, but is this where, where <laughs> Slaughter comes out with the cotton balls The cotton balls in his ears? No. no. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, it, it is, is yeah. yeah, it is. We'll, we'll get to it. Don't worry. Oh, it's the best. We'll we'll get to it. This contest is a championship contest. It is for the World Wrestling Federation's Tag Team Championship. Introducing the challengers in the corner to my left, weighing in at a combined weight of 614 pounds. Here are the Moon Dogs. And just ready to step into the ring are the World Wrestling Federation's Tag Team Champions from, New Ze- from Auckland, New Zealand, weighing 244 pounds. Tony Garia and his partner from Quebec City, Canada, weighing 234, Rick Martell. Recently, I've been um, looking at. I got so th- somebody made that thread uh, about the ring announcers, right? Uh, that we were talking about earlier. And literally all anybody said was Fink or Gary Michael Capetta, right? <laughs> um, so I started looking at the career of Tom Miller. It got me interested. Like, who... There we go. I like Miller. Yeah, and, and uh, you can go... I, I did proper research into, like, who the hell was Tom Miller? He, and apparently he was, like, a local celeb, a bit like Carl Rudman. He had a radio show, etc. And then it started getting me to wondering about our friend here, Joe McHugh, uh, who was one of the other so, few... So did Tom Miller, did Tom Miller go, The vastly popular Elvis Presley! <laughs> yeah, well, he he was known as Trucking Tom Miller, believe it or not. Trucking Tom Miller. <laughs> yeah, and he had a uh, he had a radio show called Trucking Tom, where he played oldies records. Oh, uh, and and I found a, I found like an old Billboard uh, newsletter thing from 1985 where they mentioned Trucking Tom. So nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, and he and he had a little bit of work as a play-by-play man, which I didn't know. In the late, uh, he he was commentating with George Scott. So there we go. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he mainly spent time in Greensboro. But anyway, so then I thought, well, Joe McHugh, he's another guy who we see quite a lot on this show. And uh, if you're wondering which commentator, uh, which ring announcer this is, it's the guy with the very slow voice. Okay. And as this match was uh, and starting, I was like, shit, how old is, is Joe McHugh? Because yeah. like he looked ancient in 1981. And indeed... He was, in fact, 77 years old. Mm. He turned 80 in 1984, and I found an interview that he gave in a in a in a newspaper or something uh, when he when he was 80. Um, that's the year that he retired from WF and the Fink took over. So uh, Howard Finkel took over TV tapings uh, around that time, uh, and obviously, like, you know, uh, uh, McKee was a Vince Senior guy, and uh, Fink was a very much a Vince Jr. guy, right? And so is that why they had the Fink doing the uh, the voiceovers that he was not good at? 
at first. Yeah, he was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So so anyway, uh, and the TV tapings took place at Allentown, and uh, this guy was uh, local to Allentown. Um, he uh, so uh, here's his story. When he was 16 in 1920, 1920, he went into vaudeville. And uh, actually worked as a stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he did stand-up comedy uh, all over the country, telling <laughs> stories about telling stories about crabgrass. Now, what is crabgrass? <laughs> it, it, crabgrass is a type. Really? He, boy, you know what? I was born in the wrong time. If I was born in the age of vaudeville, I'd be a fucking star because he made a career. To, crabgrass is just a. a of the dark green grass that grows in your yard that's like in, it's a weed that invades your yard and it, it's yep. kind of a pain and you go god damn crabgrass that's it there's other if, if this guy made a comedic career he's either a genius or people were so goddamn fucking dumb back then god damn it i need a time machine well you may want to reconsider that uh, uh, johnny when i'm about to tell you uh, uh some of the conditions he had to work under he said yeah, uh, well, he, he told stories about crabgrass, mother-in-laws, and uh, families. Oh. <laughs> oh, so he was Henny Youngman. He's Henny Youngman, okay. <laughs> McHugh mentions, though, that you couldn't do anything off-color at all uh, at these shows, and that you'd be fired from a nightclub for saying the word damn. So there's your career I, over, You Johnny. know, I, I, can, I can work <laughs> I, I worked. I worked in a, I, I worked in nursing homes for 23 years. Yeah, because they couldn't and, hear and, you. And, they couldn't hear what you were saying. Oh, 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 believe me. Why do you think I'm so loud? 23 years of working with deaf fucking Freaking people. nature? I don't know. No, 23 years. 23 years of never Listen, needing a microphone. I thought I was listening to the Grateful Dead for forever. That too. Because I'm half deaf from the dead and live concerts. But I'm loud because I 23 years I've worked with people who were deaf. And I projected all every day, uh, and entertaining. Now I never had any jokes about crabgrass. <laughs> so, well, well, anyway, being Irish, he told a lot of jokes about the Irish, uh, which hey. is what you did back then. Uh, but in 1928, he became a licensed ring announcer and a professional MC. He was from Allentown, uh, which was a hub for boxing uh, during this time period, and his brother Terry McHugh actually did some boxing himself so this is uh, was McHugh's route into the boxing uh, business um, and he worked uh, as a long time uh, for as a boxing announcer for basically uh, so from 1928 for 30 years uh, basically he wow. was a boxing uh, announcer and he uh, he said <laughs> this was quite funny he says now not all of the boxers were Irish some were Jewish some were Polish they just took Irish names because fighting as an Irishman was the proper thing to do, and that's how they got work. So uh, there we go. Like so, when you look at old boxing records, not all the people are Irish. They're secretly Jewish or Polish. The black ones, you know, especially. <laughs> well, I don't know if uh, did they have uh, maybe not in the maybe not in the twenties and thirties. Uh, I always think of Italian boxers from that period. Uh, mm, I don't. Uh... Uh, no, there were a lot of Jewish boxers. Uh, there were yeah. still boxing was one of those weird things where, even though the crowds would be racist as fuck, um, became integrated before anything else. Yeah. Uh, 
I was a light, there was a lightweight there was a lightweight favorite back in the day called Kid Chocolate. <laughs> and uh, and I and uh, one of the guys I I was it was lived in one of my nursing homes I worked in was an old Jewish man who fought as a flyweight. Uh, and he had Alzheimer's. He'd always tell me, he's like, I, he, he'd go, he's like, the greatest, he'd tell me this every day, the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life was I fought in Madison Square Garden <laughs> against Kid Chocolate. I, I fought Kid Chocolate. He beat me in two rounds, but I fought in the garden and I fought Kid Chocolate. And he'd tell me this every day until he died, man. I loved it. What, what was his name, Johnny? Paddy McGuinness? No, well, no, he was as Jewish as Jewish could get. What was his, his real name. Did he, did he so, box as an Irishman, though? No? Uh, no, no, he boxed under his real name. Uh, <laughs> um, flyweight, I mean, these guys looked like Ethiopians, you know, they were with giant yeah. gloves. You know, it's fucking crazy. Well, I, I thought this was interesting. When McHugh first started uh, uh, ring announcing, there were no mics. He just had to use lung power. And uh, no. <laughs> a megaphone. He had one of those. No, he had just, one of those Rudy. It was the 20s. He had one of those Rudy <laughs> Valley <laughs> megaphones. I think he just did it with just no mic or anything. He just shouted. <laughs> and uh, apparently, hey, you. <laughs> and apparently, you made it. You, the main event. Yeah, you, the main event tonight. Shut up. Apparently, that's where his. Uh, apparently, that's where his style comes from because he had to belt it out. And uh, even when they brought my. <laughs> Even when they brought mics in, he didn't change how he announced one bit. So oh. this, he was still doing the same style back in like. He's the... shouting. He's shouting <laughs> into the microphone. <laughs> well, you know, he. Well, I mean, he he does that very slow kind of uh, very slow announcing style, doesn't he? Um, he takes like probably much longer than the average ring announcer to get five words out. Um, now, Joe. <laughs> Joe had five brothers. We heard about one of them. One of them was a boxer. Another one of them was a doctor. But by 1984, they'd all died. Uh, he had a business partner called uh, Roy Roy Elchelberger, uh, with whom he ran a roofing business in the 1970s. Uh, his wife was still alive uh, at, at the time of this interview, and they had a Barbara called. Uh, they had a daughter called Barbara, who became a corporate lawyer. McHugh says that he makes new friends through TV, <laughs> and this made me laugh. Ladies are always sending me cakes, he says. <laughs> One little girl gave me a red carnation. And last Christmas, someone sent him a frame with 18 beautiful pictures in it. And it just said, from your friends in Connecticut, which I thought was nice. Um, so anyway, he started... That would be Linda McMahon. Right it would be Linda. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I don't know why the ladies are sending him cakes, though. It's a stranger... <laughs> well, because a woman's place is in the kitchen, of course. I mean, come on, you know. Um, like, he, he, he worked for the WWF. Uh, like any chicks listen to this. He worked for the WWF for 20 years. He started in the in the 60s and uh, died in 84. And uh, even... Wait, died, he died in 84? No, no, he died in 1993. Okay. And even after he retired in 84 from the WF, oh, he continued announcing at places like Allentown Fair regional wrestling events um and there's a very late interview with him from 1991 where uh he's you know announcing at this upcoming show so yeah he worked basically almost until he was 90 so nice. awesome. uh, there we go everything i could did, possibly did find say he was a gentleman that is joe McHugh. Great. so let's Thank get to slaughter and the 
Slaughter and the Cotton Buds. Pete. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just tremendous. I mean, he comes out to the to the to the match where he's facing what is it, Mike Shaw, or is it is it the Cobra Challenge with uh, uh, Carson? Carson Jack Challenge, Carson, baby. Okay, Jack Carson. And he, yeah. yeah, and he's just hamming it up. He has the cotton balls in his ears. The wizard or the general, as he calls them, says something. So Slaughter takes the cotton out of his ears, and as as the wizard repeat what he says, and then he puts the cotton ball back in his ears so the crowd can't get on him. I loved it. It was such a, as Bobby Heenan would say, such a ham and egg. Uh, he was such a ham and egger on, uh, on this one. It was great. Um, yeah, and uh, Vince says uh, at one point he has enough cotton in his ears to choke a mule. Choke a mule. <laughs> yeah. I've got... I've got something that can choke a mule, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, were you, pal. <laughs> were you loving this, Johnny? I love this so much. And and I, because I'm like, okay, Slaughter's coming out. Did you get the audio of this, or was this just, you just seeing the pantomime? No, no, I had audio of all this. It, <laughs> okay. I, only, I only had, I only dropped, dropped audio on two things here. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was weird. Uh, and, um, <laughs> the crowd going, and this is the Allentown crowd. That hot and screaming yeah. and loud. I mean, yeah. that's like, that's not the garden <laughs> by any stretch. It's small. It's really small. Yeah, this is Disney MGM, like, you know, like when you exactly, think about it, like WCW, exactly. a scary crowd, yeah. You know, and uh, uh, boom, and they are just on on top of slaughter. It's, it's awesome. And uh, uh, the cotton balls in the ears just crack. You have, like, it's like he's like, I, you know, hey, hey, wizard. I just, they're in my head. They're in my head, general. I got it, baby. If they're in your head, we'll just block out the sound. Oh, you're why I pay. That's why I pay you. You know, and, and then uh, and it works for a minute. And then he takes it out. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no. Oh, genius, genius. Uh, and then Pat, Pat, it, it took me, <laughs> go back to what we said. It took, because I didn't hear this, the Hanson interview. At first, I'm like, Bruno doesn't sound like Bruno. I mean, it's Bruno because his English is horrible, but it doesn't sound like Bruno. Oh, wait, it's Pat. <laughs> and he goes, you know, it could, because Vince says, <laughs> he's like, a lot of people have, you know, been thinking about uh, whether or not they're going to be able to break that hold, including one Pat Patterson, like in the third person. And, uh, and then yeah. he's like, well, you know. And I'm like, was oh, that Bruno? And that's a high pitched Bruno. And it took me and I'm like, oh, he's he's okay. I get it now. And he goes, you know, I I never gave too much a thought on the hold. You know, I'm sure if I gave a thought on the the hold, I could figure it out. But I never really gave it too much thought, Vince. And uh, but yet, it's the seeds are being sown. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Just a slow build, you know. You don't see that, like. I mean, I'm not saying you never see it, but like you look at like the, like the big angle. Literally, recently was the big Seth Rollins turn. They didn't plant a whole lot of seeds for it. All of a sudden, he's. They, I mean, they won a big match pay per view. Well, that was good because that was the. That's a good surprise heel turn. 
Well, that's the thing is, I think I think the the bookers or the story writers have gotten ever since like the night there was the Monday Night Wars where they were just turning people left like the giant became a member of the NWO for you know no reason. I think, oh, yeah. they, I think they become over. I think they come over reliant on the surprise turn. Yeah, but uh, but with, uh, real quick, real quick to go on. The Rollins stuff is explained very well. You know, they they explain it completely perfectly well, and uh, it works. Uh, but yeah, you know, but the the giant NWO. I'm in the NWO now, and now I'm not. Now I am again. You know. It's, and, I, and I think also, I think like they, they don't see, like they they think now the fans are a little too sophisticated, as in they're a little too smart and stuff where they don't. I, I, I don't care. Put put the little trail down. Let us follow it, and then see the turn. That makes it even better when you, when you see it coming and stuff. Not when you see it coming months in advance, but you know months. You know right in step A. But you know when you get to step C or B or D, you know you start seeing it transform. I think that's perfectly acceptable and makes the payoff. Bam! It's there. Finally, you get it. Like you're waiting for it and waiting for it, and then they yeah. take well, you on that ride, well, and then you get it. What's funny is they actually were doing that six months ago with, of all people, The Miz. They were doing that, this slow build. And then someone remembered that he's starring in some made-for-TV movie uh, or made-for-DVD movie and went, oh, no, we can't have him be – we can't go through with this. And put it on hold, and it was working. And I was like, oh, it was good. You know, whether or not you like him or not, the build was exactly that. It was slow. Uh, a slow heel turn, and uh, then they like, oh, well, no, movie coming out. I'm like, who oh, gives a shit? No one's watching that stupid movie, and now the movie's out, and he's a heel again, so they can fucking go through with it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, ugh, you know, no one cares. No one, no one was going. I can't. I, you know, I'm not gonna buy my DVD copy of the Marine Four <clears throat> with the Miz if he's a bad guy on television. You know, it's like, what are you thinking? It's dopey. Don't stop your booking because of of, of, a, of a DVD no one's going to watch. The, the king of the slow build turn, Swerve, is Luger, who, who, yeah. who, who, do, who, who did it twice. He spent He's basically spent a year not turning, Million Dollar Corporation, and then he did yeah. it again in uh, Thing. Yeah, When's yeah. he going to turn on Sting? And then yeah, they yeah. teased it and he didn't. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, mind games with Luger. I, I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> I always did love the whole. Um, here's one of the things that people praise, but if and I and I liked it too. But if you look back, it's it's wrestling stupid. Is the early nitros before the NWO, where Luger is a bad guy, and he's teaming with Sting, who's a good guy, and Sting's like going. Everyone keeps telling him he's like, yeah, your friend's a dick. He's like, ah, oh, but he's my friend. And when they come down. Whenever Stig's looking at Luger, he's slapping the hands of the fans. Yeah. And when Stig turns away, he's like, ah, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Which was so funny. It's so funny. I loved it. I loved it. But, I mean, here's where you're, check your reality at the door. Check your, well, this doesn't make sense. You don't think Sting, no, or, you don't think Sting, like, look back, like, look and saw this? And, and someone said, well, Sting doesn't watch footage. Okay, fine. <laughs> None of his friends said, hey, 
You need right. to see this. <laughs> Johnny, you're forgetting that Sting is the biggest idiot ever to yeah, admit. Yeah, I knew that was he's not that stupid. <laughs> he After is. that last time Flair turned on turned on him at Halloween Havoc, it was. He is the Sting is <laughs> Sting's the ultimate idiot. Like, anyway, let's get back. There's never a payoff to it. I mean, <laughs> not really. <laughs> let's go. The NWO. <laughs> no, there Sting, wasn't a payoff. Sting turned heel. Let's. Yeah. Let's get back to 1981. Let's get um, back to the better years. Yeah. yeah just, okay. Now, Kelly, I noticed that old. Uh, it was a, So it's Patterson. I got Bruno in my notes, but it's Patterson on commentary, right? Uh, yes. Yes. That would be a pretty uh, uneventful angle that uh, Bruno's on, on commentary. <laughs> he does. Patterson calls him Bob Carson. On. <laughs> Says, oh, oh, Bob Carson's got great amateur background. So he. So. His, so name is, his name has gotten wrong twice on this show. <laughs> well, it was his first day in... in oh, the by, the, by the way, this is the first time we see uh, the actual check signed, yes. you know, signed yes. by si- Sergeant Slaughter. I'm like, what bank <laughs> endorses that fucking check? Yeah. You know, Beautiful. Uh, who's this from? Sergeant Slaughter. They go, no, but they make a point to tell you it's actually endorsed. Look at this. It's a blank fucking check. And it says... Paid to the order of wait this and then on the bum as a sergeant it's like like it's his real name do do you know I couldn't help but notice Grand Wizard did not put his hand in his pocket for he's not putting up any money is he well he's Jewish I I mean Grand Wizard by my calculations is at least 20 grand up so far (laughs) like just from like wheeling and dealing um anyway Kelly well you know they're racist man (laughs) Kelly I do. I remember someone saying, and I'm not gonna say who, but they, how they felt the the whole Grand Wizard thing was uh, a rib to make fun oh, of Ernie yeah, Roth Be, because <laughs> because the term Grand Wizard is KKK, and I'm like, yeah. wow, that's a stretch. That yeah. is a fuck, especially because he started with fucking the Sheik. Okay, Grand yeah. Wizard was that he's you know it's it, it's just you know a more 1950s 60s yeah. you know guru sort of thing the answer and, uh, to everything is that it's wrestling that's the answer it's yeah wrestling. but it was not a, like, that was vince and vince senior being mean to him by by making a jew a gay jew have to call himself the grand wizard you know i'm like no that's no no sure he came up with it himself um yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> K- kelly mm-hmm Oh yeah, so getting back to, to Jack Carson, I think this Ow. is officially the, the, the jobberist of the jobbers. Is that the term? But but he was signing autographs. Yeah, I know he, he was. was signing autographs. <laughs> he's he's actually the fourth Rob Von Eric brother or the famous. <laughs> he's the real Waldo Von he's the real Lance Von Eric. <laughs> I wonder what that's fetching on eBay. He, he did he, he did have a he did have a Nazi haircut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he kind of looks like a mid-carter. Like, that's the one thing that keeps him from being, I guess, the, the jobberist of the jobbers. Like yeah, he had an a okay look. But, I mean, okay, so he's in the Cobra Clutch, and he, he barely puts up any resistance whatsoever. And then, afterwards, if that wasn't bad enough, Slaughter offers him his hand you know, for a handshake, and then he, he, he takes it, and he gets kicked in the kicked in the stomach and beaten down, 
And the only saving grace for poor Jack Carson was that Gorilla Monsoon actually came to his aid. So at least <laughs> Monsoon had his back. <laughs> but otherwise, this this was like an all-time uh, jobber performance right here. if I, I segue into the the bonus uh, jobber squash match that we got out of all unadvertised um, <laughs> mind you yeah <laughs> from the original um, listings from uh, I, just want, I just want to hit on one thing real quick because I don't think we're explaining ourselves real well uh, all this combined here is what we're doing right now they're building to the Patterson slaughter alley yeah. fight and what's going on is Patterson is, is one of the announcers with Vince, and Pat, and Slaughter and Slaughter has been beating up jobbers in the uh, on TV local TV on a weekly mm. basis in the Cobra Clutch Challenge, and they're trying to goad Patterson out, and they're offering them each guy, both of them are the Wizard or the General, and Slaughter each offering five thousand dollars for Patterson to escape. So we're building yeah. to that big payoff angle. So I. I See, we're we're just we're talking about little bits and pieces, not really uh, saying the the bill's looking really yeah. really interesting. And so it's like a slow build into it and stuff yeah. where you're going on a weekly week. Of really, you know, just old school episodic television. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, exactly. That's a, that's a good point, Pete. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good because yeah, I do have like sort of the 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 history of this challenge. It it started on TV. It started February seventh. Um, and the one that will live in no wait no <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what we're watching today is is February twenty first. So the first week, uh, the first guy to challenge or to take the challenge was someone named Mike Smith. Uh, <laughs> wow. May as well just say John Doe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Introducing first Mike Smith. <laughs> so he was actually the he's, lowest. He's built from the morgue. That's where he's built from the morgue. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Another part of it being such a great angle is that it builds from like the lowest, you know, scum of jobbers mm, yeah. on the bottom. <laughs> 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 it works up the ladder slowly, as we'll That's see. That's the classic. It's a classic gimmick. The whole like. Who can get out of my hold? And it always starts with, like, you know, winos yeah. that they found in an alley. And then it ends up with Tony Atlas going, yeah, you know, or something. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, Slaughter did it here. We saw him do it in the Carolinas. Yeah. Um, because they had Tyler made Barry Windham, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or Bob, or Barry Windham, or Bob, was it? Blackjack Mulligan Jr. at the time. Uh, oh, so, yeah. uh, and so, again, you see these, we always talk about how it's like, you know, no, there's no such thing as new ideas in wrestling. It's just, it's how you present it, and then the characters are able to get it over and oh, stuff. Yeah. Of course. No, it, it's great. But it's great to see the build. So, yeah, Mike Smith was the first. Uh, the unpredictable Johnny Rods got a turn uh, in the chair uh, and failed. In the chair. <laughs> hey, by the way, real quick, real quick, man, let me just add this in. I was just listening to Dreamer on Austin's podcast, 
Not only was Johnny Rods like one of Vince Senior and Junior's most trusted um, uh, jobbers who can make people look good, he was one of their shooters. And he oh, trained. Uh, and he trained Vince Russo. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, bro. Uh, According to Russo, anyway, that's what he, he got trained by. Vin, by who I am. Yeah. Carry on. Apparently, he was also one of the. <laughs> He was one of the shooters uh, they had there. He would lose. Yeah, of course, he'd lose all the time. But if, if someone needed to get stretched, uh, they put him in with rods. <laughs> very unpredictable. He's very unpredictable. Because you, you, you predict you're going to beat this jobber in two minutes. And instead, he's he's got his knee in the back of your neck going, uh, you ever going to do that again? No? Okay, fine. We can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way. Or the, or the, or the unpredictable way. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Rod's had to turn in the chair, and then and then it was uh, Jack Carson's turn. And so anyway... We got a bonus uh, a squash match here with Slaughter against Ron Shaw, who I, I've prepared a bio for. A part of uh, do you, should I go into this or? Yeah, do, yeah, do it. Who's okay. Ron Shaw? Who's <laughs> <laughs> Ron Shaw? Okay, so his career was, you know, longer than uh, Jack Carson's. He actually debuted in 1980, uh, May 27th, for the WWF to be exact, uh, in Allentown, of course, losing to Mr. USA Tony Atlas, and. You know, looking at his career, he, he pretty much was a TV guy almost exclusively, it seems. Uh, a lot of Allentown matches. He defeated Jack Carson uh, August 3rd, 1981, in Wildwood, New Jersey, uh, for one mm. of his few wins. Was that close to your uh, neck of the woods, Johnny? Uh, Wildwood was a is, is a uh, small. Uh... Mid-level town uh, by the shore that a lot of people go down to the shore to, but it's considered, uh, yeah, yeah. kind of small town. No, no, no. It, it it got seedy because uh, uh, of Atlantic City. It's about twenty minutes uh, south of Atlantic City. Okay. And uh, but but, it, but it's it's a wonderful place to go down to the beach and uh, you know see. You know, like like you go down to the beach and see Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant. You know, bore you for forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Great. Man. Anyway, um, so Shaw <laughs> Shaw was in the WWF for a good five six years actually, just exclusively as a jobber. Um, his his most famous match is probably against David Sammartino in the Philadelphia Spectrum in 1985. I think we brought this oh, up. Oh right. Yeah. Where he actually beats David Sammartino clean with a bear hug submission finish. <laughs> That is, like, if you've seen the, the footage of this, it's very weird because after the match, like, Gorilla Monsoon on commentary plays it like, oh, no, no, David couldn't have submitted. Uh, there must be, the referee must be mistaken. Like, this couldn't have happened. And it's, I've read somewhere where it was almost like an unplanned finish yep. of some kind. Johnny, do you have more info on that well, it, it kind of depends on who you listen to. Uh, if you listen to David himself, who's crazy, uh, <laughs> um, basically it was a, okay, you're gone. Yeah, you're done. 
you know, you're out of here. Uh, had a, lot of, a, a bit of a screw job. A bit of a screw job. He, yeah, he kept yeah. wrestling for them for Yeah, you know, because, yeah, yeah, you still get a paycheck, man. You're not going to give up a fucking paycheck. But your sure. big fucking, uh, you're, you're, you're the spectrum, you know, right there. That That's, you know, in the midst of, of just the height. You know, David San Martino said Ron Shaw beats him. I, I I wasn't at that show, but I could have been. Yeah. I wish I had been. I'd it's be weird. Uh, Why would he lose that match? Like, if it was booked that way, I don't understand. It's just it's just you're out of the door. We don't want you, and uh, you're gonna lose, and you're gonna lose uh, this jobber guy yeah. who's been here forever. And it doesn't mean Ron Shaw's gonna get a push. Not at all. <laughs> it's it just means you're done. You lose to Ron Shaw. That's it, you know. But there must have been a change of heart somewhere because David San Martino kept working for them. No, I mean, I mean, he kept working, but how many major markets did he work after? All right, that? okay, good point. Yeah, maybe this was his like uh, the death of him as a, a push guy. Sort of yeah, thing. that's. I, I I even think the Prism uh, was still on at the time. Maybe. Yeah, it was because it's yeah, it's Prism yeah. footage. I've seen exactly. it. Exactly. Okay, it's yeah. televised. I mean. Yeah, it was he, televised. He, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's his last thing and yeah. in front of one of their their second biggest market. You know. Did the uh, Bruno gone? When did Bruno? I when know. Did Bru- Bruno was still there. That's no, the other. Cause, cause, Bruno yeah, because because Bruno and David had their own issues. That's yeah, true. the drugs yeah. and all that. Yeah. It, it's probably pretty complicated. I, I, but yeah, it, 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 right. it's still kind of it's strange. so it's it, it's so proper bullshit that we shouldn't get into. So. The, the strangest thing is the way Mick or uh, Monsoon reacts after yeah. Yeah. no way did he submit no way no you know he, he totally well you know what because monsoon had power and he could say whatever the fuck he wants and he could probably he was probably just like you know i don't want to bear you know i don't want to bury bruno's kid yeah and i'm not well that uh monsoon was the booker for philly still in 85 yeah. i believe oh um, okay well there you go well yeah maybe but then, yeah, yeah, but he, yeah, strange, weird. very it's strange. Anyways, so I thought I'd note that because otherwise, Tron Shaw's career was pretty unnotable. Um, you're doing a bio for him. He had well, giant, that's, that's, giant underpants. <laughs> I do the bios of the unnotable guys, though. That's, oh, yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. It goes hand in hand. Kelly bio means. Bum. <laughs> oh, so really, oh, so let me put this out to you because a guy Ron Shaw's size and you know he wasn't terrible you know uh, oh. could he you know you think he probably be, it was just one of those guys who's like you know I can make a comfortable living uh, doing jobs in the biggest game in town or I could go on the yeah. road and be a monster yeah, uh, but have to yeah, work but... harder have to work harder and travel all over the fucking yeah. world. You yeah. know? I'm going to bring that up because looking at his career, it looks like he, I'm guessing he probably had like a real job where he stayed, um, I think it was in Baltimore because at the end it seemed like he was exclusively like in the Baltimore area. Mm. So he had a real job and, you know, he wrestled on the weekends or whatever. Um, kind of like Pete Doherty, if you remember, he had a real job mm-hmm. where he drove all over the place. Uh, because he was uh, passionate about wrestling, so so it was probably that sort of thing. Because yeah, he was he, he had a somewhat decent look. Like he wasn't a total 
you know, bottom of the rung uh, jobber type. Mm. Uh, hey, you know what's funny? You know what's funny? You said real job. The difference between the old age and the new age there, or at least one of them here, is that back then you're saying like these guys go, well, you know, I wrestled on the weekends, but I had a real job. A lot of guys who are going to wrestling schools now and everything go, um, they call, if you, you know, dare to have a real job, uh, that's your mark job. Your real (laughs) job is to be a wrestler. You know, you know, mm, another distinction between the generations. <laughs> yes, yes, that's why wrestling lost its way, I think, in a in a lot of ways. But mm. yeah, no, I mean that was about it. Ron Shaw, it was done. Our uh, career was done in 1986. So that this isn't the Ron Shaw who uh, was one of the executioners in Crockett. Uh, maybe because he did friend. wrestle for Crockett right at the end. But yeah. I didn't. I didn't see any of that. Oh, okay. But it could have been, you know. No, These yeah, records yeah. are very, they're, they're kind of spotty. Uh, there's a lot of uh, inconsistencies and stuff. Now, 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 on the subject of complete, like, you know, bottom of the barrel scum uh, <laughs> jobbers, right? Um, I did stumble on something the other day that made me laugh my ass off. Uh, because you know, a like uh, in front of him, oh, he's walking to work. Well, mm. well, you know, like some of these. Uh, well, you know, like some of the jobbers had very minimal training. Like they, you know, they they've been like they've been trained a couple of times, and yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like straight on TV type thing. Yeah. And uh, the the most uh, amazing one I've ever seen, Ken Patera versus Judo Joe Black. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen, because the guy is just completely completely awful, <laughs> and he's like wearing like a like a judo outfit, and the way he takes bumps and things, it's the most comical. It's just incredible. It's incredible. So, Ken Patera versus Judo Joe Black. Watch that if, if you've never seen it, because it's fantastic. Carry on. <laughs> but, um, well, yeah, I think that's about it for uh, Shaw, and the match was just a squash, of course. Oh, but, Park, you may want to describe the the post-match yeah. uh, of, of this uh, squash match, because it involves your boy, Joe McHugh. Oh, oh, oh uh, what happened? Uh, remind me. A slaughter. a slaughter to go to the business room and like attack <laughs> yeah, Q. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Q you... doesn't, and then Q gets up in his face and starts yeah. trying to fight back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so Sergeant, basically, Sergeant Slaughter pushes uh, Joe McHugh, and Joe McHugh's like, "Well, real life, I ain't scared of you, fucker, and I'm a bad motherfucker myself, and uh, fuck you, huh? Fuck you." Yeah. And Viz covers it with you. He's like, well, Joe McGill, you know, he's a great gentleman. Yeah. Well, it looked like he was trying to put the Cobra Clutch on him, actually. What? I, yeah, but it's like he was fucking with him, and McHugh's like, you I don't guess, fuck with me, like, pal. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if, if McHugh took a bump, he'd die instantly. 77 years old. <laughs> I mean, he just like... Turned and the guy, the, he looks about 87, so... Yeah, and like, like, I mean, like, after, after, after he... After he gets separated, uh, then McHugh realizes, Jesus, I just got up into this giant. <laughs> then he looks like he's yeah. like he wants to shit his shit, he wants to shit his pants now at this point because now he's like, fuck, what am I doing? <laughs> I thought he came up like a fucking man, and he was just like, you know, I don't give a fuck, dude. Fuck you, pal. Yeah, but then the announcer started egging him on, and then he starts getting all getting all fired up again. <laughs> Well, you know, well, yeah, because then it became fucking part of the act. Yeah. But, uh, 
And for a second there, he was kind of just like, don't you put your hands on me, you yeah. cocksucker. I'll have, do you know who I am? I'm John McHugh. Yeah. One phone call. One phone call. You're done in this city. You're done. <laughs> you know, it's, fuck, yeah. You, you do know. not mess with McHugh when I'm in town. Yeah, and Wizard <laughs> broke character, and he's, like, <laughs> laughing his ass off. Or you see him trying Wizard's not to break city. up, and Wizard's just laughing and stuff. Joe McHugh is the godfather of Allentown. <laughs> his real name is Q something. It's they just say Joe McHugh. You don't want to fuck with uh, Joey McHugh, you know? Yeah, he runs the shit here and now and down. Okay? Oh, oh. And then Slaughter tries to save a little face and goes, Wizard or General, should I rip yeah. him a new one? And the wizard's like, nah, nah. <laughs> it was just so bad. Uh- I, I want to say uh, this is the most that anybody's talked about Joe McHugh in podcast history. Ever. No. They didn't talk about him. This, is he dead? Yeah, oh, yeah, he died in 93. Yeah, they didn't now, talk now about Johnny him. Johnny has part of memory. We, we, you just did the bio on him. <laughs> <laughs> is he dead? I mean, how old would he be? 120? <laughs> if he was alive now. <laughs> no, he's tough. You know? from yeah, him and him and Super Eight are sharing a two bed, one bedroom apartment. Yeah. The stair yeah. cost. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying. Hey, little Cobra, don't you know you're gonna shut up down? I took my Cobra down to the track, hitched to the back of my Cadillac. Everyone was there just to wait for me. There were plenty of stingrays and XK. So, uh, moving on to next week's TV, because it's now February the 28th, and it's the Cobra Clutch Challenge yet again. And uh, who is coming up in the chair this time? <laughs> it's everybody's favorite, uh, JTTS, Rick McGraw. Mm. Um, and he puts up much more of a fight than Carson. Do you notice that, Kelly? Oh, yeah. And I've written in my notes, that's the difference between a pure jobber and a JTTS. No, no. <laughs> So uh, who wants to who wants to talk about this? <laughs> Johnny? I'll say that uh, Rick McGraw is uh, showing the first signs of um, the uh, super aggressive nature of steroid abuse uh, <laughs> because he's just flipping out. All, all Slaughter wanted to do was rub his neck a little and get him ready, <laughs> and uh, he's flipping out like a fucking maniac. It's it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to find my notes here. Ron Shaw, Joe Q, ringing out so don't put up with shit. Pat calls out the stars. Crowd's booing the general. Okay, Little McGraw. Yeah, he's like rubbing on McGraw, and I, 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 I'm, I it comes up more. Like I guess for the challenge, he's got to get the guy's neck just right, so he gives him a little shiatsu, you know, and. <laughs> And then a little rub on the chest, you know. And to me, it's like Slaughter is being like he's playing up the gay angle, you know, without being gay, you know. Because oh yeah, we're, we're gonna do the the Sergeant Slaughter Cobra Clutch Challenge, but first I need to give you a little rub down. Yeah, rub your head a little here, twist your neck, just just so, just so. Oh, does that feel good? Oh, it does feel good, Sarge. Yeah, you like that, don't you? Yeah, you, know, you don't like this! And <laughs> what the fuck, dude? And because 
he was not a big fan. He got put in it and eventually got put out. He he fought his best as no, everyone at the Shire was very proud of Rick McGraw uh, for his efforts. You know, he used these hairy feet, and uh, that, that'd be that. And uh, If I was 12 years old, this would be awesome because he was fighting back like a maniac, and I loved Rick McGraw when I was 12 because I really believed that he could win. And when he didn't win, it, it disappointed me. I'm like, oh, God, fuck, you know? Because even at 12, I was like, Muscles equals good, right? He's fucking, he should kick ass. And Any, and, any additional comments? Yeah, pretty much. This is the, uh, he was the sacrificial lamb right before Patterson comes out for the save, and then we get the payoff from the angle. Yeah, that shows the hierarchy. Rick's, you know, yeah, he's right below, well, I guess not right below Pat, but he's the, the best, <laughs> the king of the jobbers. He's on the MSG card with Pat as opposed to whatever exactly. that guy was. He at least gets to lose yes. the Hogan at MSG as opposed yeah. to Alan. Yeah, Pat. yeah. If this uh, is like Game of Thrones, if this is Game of Thrones, he like was like the king of a small territory that put yeah. up a good fight but got swallowed up by but the bitch with the dragons. And now you join. The crowd was super into it, though. They oh, wanted yeah. to see mm. him break that Cobra Clutch. Yeah, I'll give you, dude. Let me tell you, Rick McGraw was fucking over. Yeah, we loved was... Rick McGraw yeah. as a when I was a kid. Then I'm like, you know, and when you're when you're still doing all like, no, is it real? I don't know, but I don't know. you know, I would cheer for Rick McGraw like a maniac every Saturday morning. Him and Tony Garea, for fuck's sake. So not only, I mean, not only do we get this uh, the challenge eventually, Patterson comes out. And at least a series of matches. You also get it. We get it. We'll eventually see a fun little match between McGraw and Slaughter in Philly. I believe mm. it's he gets a revenge. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah. Is that, really? That's cool. So the next match on this TV, uh, on this, uh, we get another match from this TV show. It's Stan Hansen taking on Steve King, your favorite Kelly. Um, <laughs> now, uh, there's a tremendous exchange during the commentary during this match. Yes. Because Vince says that Steve King is a feisty little fella. <laughs> and then Patson takes over Bruno's mantle of yeah. burying jobbers. He says, "Well, I guess when you take enough punishment, you got to do something about it." Yeah. So it's like, it's like <laughs> he basically just says, "This guy is terrible." So well, you know, he should. You know, you take all this much punishment, Vince. You know, you should do something. But he did it, but he did too late. It's not good. <laughs> Um, and Patterson also thinks that Hansen is a nasty person. Nasty, uh, nasty. Now, one thing about uh, Hansen that I noticed here, <laughs> and this ties into my '91 uh, WCW watching, <laughs> he's hey. a bad, he's a bad man, <laughs> a bad <laughs> yes, man. Oh, <laughs> right. well, Gary uh, Michael, Gary Michael yeah. told you, yeah, bad man, Stan <laughs> Hansen. <laughs> Well, it would have been Joe McHugh yet again, wouldn't it? Uh, it was, uh, this is one of them. It's just, just annihilation. I was like, that's Steve King? I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And so I was picturing someone completely different. Uh, and that was not the name I was going to apply to him. Um, and Stan Hansen runs ragged and kicks his ass. And uh, Kelly, a uh, job rating? Oh, yeah. This is, this is pretty high, or is it low? I don't know. What is the worst thing is about. I, I don't know. You, you're the jobber <laughs> king. You you uh, you come up with your own scale. Well, he is the king of the jobbers. 
Um, I'm saving the top spot for today for Jack Carson. I mean, that he has a little more depth mm. to his jobbing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've, all, they, they've all ripped off Carson. Mm. Yeah. Well, he starts in a very spirited manner, enough to get that feisty little fella comment from Vince. Yeah. So, so yeah, yes. he got that. So, he so, get... so, the, so the giant Texan can beat up the little Mexican who is trying to cross the border. And, and get more. <laughs> and it's, uh... Uh, it's total destruction. All right. Well, let's get to the kind wait, of wait, main. Because oh. they said that he, on commentary, because uh, you know, I watched uh, someone try to get an autograph from Stan Hansen. There's a lady, oh, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. I can't repeat what he told her. I'm like, what did he tell her? I want to <laughs> know. But told her, you know, I, I, this is how I treat your kind. I don't sign nothing. You know, what the, I can't, he's like, I can't tell how he treats their kind. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, this is kind of the main event of today's show. Which Black is, Demon? Uh, yeah. The Cobra Clutch Challenge. <laughs> the, Black, Black the Black Demon is sitting in the chair waiting for the Cobra Clutch Challenge. <laughs> a man in a mask. <laughs> and uh, it's around this time that Kelly starts getting a little bit aroused because oh, yeah. it's a man in a mask called the Black Demon. And uh, he's a jobber, too. And he's yeah. a jobber. <laughs> An absolute dream for you, Kelly. Who is, this, who, who is this man? Oh, my God. I I didn't know how deep I would get into this, but I ended up getting <laughs> pretty deep. Well, because he has a long history. I mean, the other guys, Ron Shaw, Jack Carson, they had like two years, well, four or five years for Shaw, but Actually, the Black Demon, whose whose name was Don Serrano, had a lengthy career of uh, 16 years. He was born in Puerto Rico. Um, he actually first worked for um, the McMahon family for WWF in 1965. Wow. As, as yeah, Hector Serrano. Um, his, the first result I could find was August 26, 1965, in Washington, D.C., against Tarzan Tyler, who was a, a big heel at that time. Um, uh, a Quebecois guy. He wrestled in Montreal a lot, but also was a big heel in the 60s, early 70s. Did um, he have a Tarzan gimmick, Kenny? Do you know? Uh, I think he wore like the, that, uh, sort of like the leopard skin uh, singlet, but right. otherwise I don't think so, no. Um, he's notable for being one half of the first ever uh, WWF Tag Team Champions with uh, Luke, Crazy Luke Graham in oh, wow. uh, 1971, yeah. Uh, so he has that. But yeah, he has a big history in Montreal. Anyway, Hector Serrano was a job guy. Uh, and he was a job guy for quite a while. Um, he, he ended up in Florida in 1967, 1968. Uh, job guy there. He turned up in Stampede. As, as a lot of these guys have that I've, I've uh, talked about over the months. Um, 68, 69, he was a job guy there. 1970, he jobbed in Detroit. He jobbed in Portland. He jobbed in Montreal. He jobbed in California. That job will travel. Yes, he did a lot of jobbing. Uh, 71, 72, he was mostly in Canada, actually. He was in the Maritimes and Quebec. And he was jobbing there. Um, he ended up in the NWF in 1973. And the NWF 
I've explained it before, I think, was a, mm. an outlaw territory um, based in the northeast. Uh, Cleveland and Buffalo were the two main cities. Um, a lot of uh, big stars wrestled for the NWF. Um, and here, this was where uh, Serrano actually was pushed uh, for the first time. And he became this mid-card tag team guy, basically. Um, and he would do this for most of the 70s. Uh, mostly a babyface, it looked like. Babyface tag wrestler, mid-card tag guy. And in the NWF, he wrestled a lot against the Love Brothers. And I thought, well, you know, the Love Brothers are tailor-made for Titans of Wrestling. I have to bring these guys up. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them before you probably have come across their names. Uh, nope. No, love, really? The, the Love I Brothers? Have, I have, I have. Johnny's heard of the Love Brothers. Basically, course, they were baby. Yeah, they were two Canadians, um, but they played uh, hippies. And at that time, late late sixties, early seventies, that made them total heels uh, with <laughs> with the wrestling uh, fans of the day, of course. And we are those hurt- people who are aren't gonna fight back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> They were Hartford and Reginald Love. Um, and they mostly what a, dumb, wrestled... what a dumb hippie name, too. <laughs> it's like, you know, we, okay, we want, it, it's how out of touch people were. Okay, hippie heels, hippie heels is a great idea uh, in the late 60s, early 70s. But you give them Reginald and what? Hartford. Hartford. That's like smart, like, you know, like like genius. You know, uh, Damien Sandow, the genius sort of names. You know, it's like because they couldn't figure it out. Like these hippies think they're so much smarter than us. We'll give them this name and shit. And they should like Moonbeam, or you know, if you want to go yeah. over the top, you know, yeah, it's like Moonbeam and Sunshine, the Love Brothers. You know. We we win matches by throwing LSD into our opponent's face. <laughs> then then we wrestle. Then that we wrestle our Broadways, and an hour later they're tripping, and we pin them, baby. Well, of course, uh, Elton John changed his name from Reginald famously. That's right. Yeah. right. Anyway, the Love Brothers were mostly uh, northeast. Uh, North America, I guess, Canada and the United States. They wrestled in Toronto and Montreal a lot, and a lot for the NWF, and never really for any of the the, the NWA territories for whatever reason. Um, but I love the, the heel hippie uh, gimmick. That's totally <laughs> something I totally love. What's funny? What's funny? Right now in uh, NXT, they have a heel hippie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, Tyler. Oh God, that, that's Tyler Breeze. Um, no, I can't remember his name. Yeah, in, but but he's like one. He, he's an annoying environmentalist. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's yeah, the yeah, funniest yeah. goddamn thing. It's it'll never get over on the no. main stage. Yeah, ever. small Paul potatoes all the way. But yeah. it, it, but because it's too smart and it's too funny, right. you know. And uh, it, 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 he, because his original thing was happy go lucky fish concert going, you know, baby face, and they right. shit on it. And now he's, <laughs> and now he's a hippie who, he's the hippie who berates you 
about wasting water when you brush your teeth, and it's fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. Did the, uh, did the did the Love Brothers use uh, music? Do you know uh, Kelly? I don't know. No, I don't. Uh, I would. Well, they, they would have used like the Age of Aquarius. The Preverse. They should have. They should have used the. They should have used like Forever Changes or something. You know, something <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, 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 yeah. The moon <laughs> is in the seventh sign. <laughs> they should well, maybe... have given out the fucking hair. I do. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, 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 I hope they did. did. Michael Michael Hayes invented music, so it, it, <laughs> they couldn't have. No, no, not uh, even Gorgeous George invented music. Uh, um, so anyway, back to Don Serrano. Um, he turned up in All South Wrestling. Now remember, this was Ann Gunkel's um, breakaway Georgia promotion uh, from from the Battle of Atlanta in 1973, 74. And for for Ann Gunkel, he wrestled as Super Soul Davis, uh, <laughs> which is a great name. He was a heel. That's a great like. name. <laughs> he was he was he was pushed at this time mostly in tags. Again, he, he sort of found his niche. It looks like as a tag wrestler by this time. I uh, teamed with Angelo Poffo uh, quite a bit in All South Wrestling. The the uh, always the rebel, always the outlaw, Angelo Poffo. Of course. Um, by 1975, yes. Serrano was in Amarillo, uh, Central States, uh, he, and then in the Carolinas for quite a long time. And by this time, he was basically a JTPS, um, winning against the Jobbers, losing to the Stars. Um, he turned up in Florida in 76 and wrestled off and on in Florida all the way to 1980. And in Florida, again as a tag wrestler, they, he worked against the original Hollywood Blonde um, and another guy here. We talked about him in uh, Georgia, Buddy Roberts, and mm. Jerry Brown, the original Hollywood mm. Blonde. Uh, someone, again, tailor-made for the uh, Titans. Um, this is a team that I, I don't know if much, if there's any footage of these guys out there. I'd love to. Yeah, I think it's like a handful. Man, not much. Because you yeah. hear how they got over huge in Montreal. They got over huge in Florida and I think uh, San Francisco. Like They were all over the place. Yeah, I think all it is is like clips of this and that. Yeah. yeah. Of, of, of value, really. They were big. Yeah. But they were big stars um, at one time in the 70s. Um, he teamed with, uh, Don Serrano teamed with Raul Mata quite a lot oh. in Florida, someone that you brought up, Parv, on PWO recently. Yeah, yeah, I saw a bit. He was apparently quite over in Florida there, Raul Mata. Yeah, I don't know much about him at all. No, he, he yeah, one of the random guys who came up in that footage. Yeah. So, by this time, yeah, Serrano was in, in the South pretty much exclusively. Um, he went to Georgia and he teamed with a young Tito Santana, who was wrestling as Richard Blunt at the time, um, a name that was also used by uh, Pete Boy, Ricky Steamboat. Actually, that's Ricky Steamboat. That's born with it. Yeah, yeah, it's not a, yeah. Yeah, but but for whatever reason, Tito used that name too when he was young. And Richard Richard Blood. Yeah, Tito Richard worked Blood. Us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very young. And anyway, his uh, Serrano's career came full circle. Uh, by 1980, he was back in New York, back in the WWF. 
And this was where he took on the Black Demon persona, mm -hmm. wrestling also as Don Serrano at the same time. So he kind of alternated back and forth. Uh, a jobber. So he was basically a, a double jobber at this time. Here's <laughs> a rare... <laughs> which, explains, which explains his reaction. You get yeah. double pay. Wait, double pay. Is, is this one job too far for the Black Demon? I think it's it was. It's like he can't take it anymore. He's done well, it for so long. He's gonna, yeah, he was afraid he's gonna tap out, and then Sarge would rip his mask off and expose him for being a double. Well, I actually, I oh, actually man. felt that the Black Demon is uh, um, one of those old gay guys who is like, <laughs> because part of Slaughter is setting him up for the challenge as giving him a sensuous rub. On your neck and a little bit on the sides of your head. You know, he's very, he seems very gentle about it and loving. And, uh, you know, and, you know, and you know he's about to put you in something that's going to hurt you. But he's making you feel loved at first. So he's, he's working on a, a million different uh, levels. And part of it is that maybe, you know, while he rubs you like this, maybe you're going to get half a stiffy. And while you're, you know, questioning your sexuality, Sergeant Slaughter lips, rips in the Cobra Clutch, and you're fucked. Well, Black Demon ain't having none of that. No, no, no. Because the minute, the minute Slaughter uh, starts giving him a little neck rub, you know, just you know, which probably feels nice with his <laughs> big giant hands. You know, he, I mean, does he? I mean, really, does he look like he's hurting them when he does that? He sets the guy's head just right and 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 rubs a little here and goes, yeah, you know, it's how it is in prison. You you just you know, you know let him go. We'll, we'll take your word for it, Johnny. I, I, well, you know, hey, it seemed very loving to me. There could and, be uh, something to it because that was it. I mean, Black Demon by the end of nineteen eighty, and he, he wanted gone. nothing to do with it. And because no, everyone else, like Rick McGraw, goes, hey. Knock that off. I'm starting to get hard. <laughs> and, uh, but Black Demon, the minute his dick twitched after Slaughter, uh, just gave oh, him a funny little touch behind his ear, he had one, boom, nothing to do with it, boom, and left and stormed off. Stormed off. One, it's just too far. For the black demon, no, he's black out of here. Demon, he was gone. Uh, I am not. I'm not having any of your your gay uh, drill sergeant rub me this way. Uh, he was rubbing my neck, and my penis moved, and I'm not gay. Oh, I'm not gay. And he ran away. And before we uh, get off the subject of uh, the career of the the Black Demon, I I, I, I it, it just occurred to me that the, the Love Brothers they should have really come out to um, songs by the band Spirit, especially from that album The Twelve Dreams of Doctor Sardonicus. Oh, you know, that... No, 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 because Spirit is so good. <laughs> I think that would have uh, Nature's Way. That would be the one. Come out, come out to Nature's no, no, Way. No, 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 Norman Greenberg. <laughs> Going up yeah. to the spirit of the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I'm going. They could be, they could be Jesus freak. It be healed. Oh no, what's that song from Sweet Charity? That that song. Uh, 
Um, Come to daddy. Da, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. Uh, so, what happens now? Well, Pat Patterson, uh, well, Slaughter's calling him out again. He's yellow, Patterson. He's yellow just yeah, like yeah. you. And, uh, well, Patterson is pretty pissed off now, and he wants to take the challenge himself. He's still, uh, you know, he's dressed for commentary. He's got his shirt and his uh, jacket on. But he takes them off, uh, and he's middle Asian crazy, Pat Patterson, because he's, no, he's, he's in his... gay. Yeah, which is. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, he's the one person who wants this challenge, so maybe this is what you've I been like working that towards, Johnny. Even had a mask that looked like, 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 uh, fucking uh, Al Jolson. Mammy, mammy, mammy. Oh, pinned me, mammy. I got pinned in the middle of the ring. I like the idea of uh the way that vince was working this on commentary because he was like yeah this is the veteran he studied this hold and he's figured out the escape yeah and uh basically like uh so slaughter gets patterson in the cobra clutch and uh he figures out a way of getting out of it um using all of his many years as a veteran um and the grand master plan the grand tactics consists of basically powering out of the hold. Kicking off the No, it was turnbuckle. kicking the turnbuckle. Oh, kicking, yeah, he kicked the turnbuckle. He tried to power out, and then he kicked the turnbuckle. And Nobody escaped. else tried that. You know, that's... Fantastic that's he... tactics. Hey, no um, one's tried it. And then, uh, what happens is that Slaughter uh, now gets one of the wooden chairs mm. and uh, throws Dick Worley out of the ring, and he uh, nails Patterson with a chair, and uh, he gets uh, the, the Cobra Clutch back on Pat Patterson. And Whirly is pissed. Whirly, like, he even throws a couple of forearms here. Whirly. A couple of, like, stiff. Uh, <laughs> he, Whirly, a couple of working punches on <laughs> Slaughter's back. I would have, like, Slaughter to put a fucking uh, shoot fucking Cobra Clutch on Whirly. <laughs> yeah. And now the cavalry arrives. <laughs> It's Dominic Danucci, <laughs> Tony Garea, Rick Martel, all of the Titans, it's like the Titans All-Stars are here to, to save Pat Patterson. I want to know, who, who, who do you hate Strongbow more than Johnny hates Whirly? I mean, I don't know. That's a contest. No, because Whirly, Whirly can be good. and uh, and uh um, But Parv just, you know, he hates the fact that uh, something he doesn't understand is very popular, and when he can't grasp that, it makes him into Hannibal Lecter. It's really, it's it's why I love you, brother. Come on, we're on the home straight here. I'm gonna take us, uh, take, take us, us home, Parv. Take, take us home. Take us home, bud. So, so uh, what, what happens now? Is oh. What happens now is that uh, Dominic Danucci, Danucci, gets the uh, chair. <laughs> uh, Patterson has been busted open. Um. And Danucci now nails Sarge with the chair. With this being WE 24-7, they censor the chair shots. And we get a cutaway. Oh, cutaway. To the, to the, uh, to the Allentown oh. crowd. The slow motion Allentown Slow motion, <laughs> slow motion Allentown 1981 crowd. Cutaways here from <laughs> WE 24-7 crew. Uh, so clearly these shots by Danucci were so hardcore that we weren't allowed to see them. 
it was blood. That's why. <laughs> well, there was, and they showed the blood. They showed us the blood. They showed us yeah, because they're, they're, they're not good. Parts, right? they're the, not. the chair shots were too hardcore, then. No, 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 they're not good at their job. Is is <laughs> what? The, really? I'm serious. I was so reading what? about this back because this is like from six years ago when they first were putting stuff up on uh, 24-7 and the people in charge, they go, what do we censor when we don't? And we they, Blood, no, here it's, we do, but here we don't. Oh, chair shots here, but not here. And uh, it, That's why it's like suddenly, that's why there's suddenly like slow motion shots of the crowd. And like, what the fuck? They, right. they just didn't know what they were doing. Final thoughts on the Cobra Clutch Challenge angle, Kelly. Oh, awesome! Um, it, it it just this had everything. If you take it all together with the initial challenges, the the cotton stuffed in Slaughter's ears, <laughs> the the jobbers, Rick McGraw almost breaking it but failing, uh, the the continual challenges by Sarge onto Pat, upping the stakes money wise. Then you get this one, finally. Then you have the Black Demon. Oh, fuck. I mean, a jobber, a mass jobber out of nowhere. That's great. <laughs> Just adds to it. Who wants that? And, yeah, perfect, because he's a heel, right? He's a chicken shit. He leaves. He's not going to stick around. And then we get Pat fired up, finally. Sarge slaps him. That was the final straw. Pat takes off his jacket, shirt, yeah. sits down. He's like, fuck this. Yeah, we're going to get on with this challenge, motherfucker. If anyone's and... slapping me, they better be half naked. <laughs> yeah. And then Pat just does everything to get out of it. And he's about to get out of it. He's powering out. And Sarge has to resort to the low blow to oh. to prevent him from truly escaping. But the crowd popped like they thought he broke it. And if you notice this, a kid fucking runs ringside. And is like right by the ring, and a cop comes and grabs the kid and takes him away. <laughs> like shit was crazy. Like the crowd was going nuts. And then we have hey, the face. You're wanted for rape. You're <laughs> wanted for rape, you understand? <laughs> and and Dom has the van on the back of his jacket. It says the van. I don't know why. <laughs> it says the van. I replayed this numerous times. Yes, that was of all the things I watched. Wait, 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 I the played, band? Wait, the no, band? It's the van. He is Dominic the Van Denucci. The van. Spell it. Can you spell that, Kelly? The yeah. van, like Vancouver, like van, like the D A N. That means that means he drives the van that all the jobbers are on to get from town to town. That must be it. Well, this must have capped it all off for you, uh, Kelly. Like, like I didn't know that. And then with the chair, like Dom taking charge of things with the chair. Yeah, uh, hardcore, like against uh, Hossein the Arab. Remember that, Matt? That was crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dom, continuity. He's, he's, he's middle-aged and crazy. He's hardcore. He's, he's middle-aged and ineffective. He's middle-aged <laughs> and ineffective. And okay, okay. He's something. But anyways, and then the blood to brings in it you know another side to it and it's just like i said in my notes license to print money is what yeah. this angle did because that's oh, what it yeah. this dude is hot coming up um this was one of the best things we've seen i think so far on tight this is up I, there with the bruno yeah. larry angle uh, in my opinion I'm uh, with Kelly. It's, it's, 
It's it's okay. It's as good as a example of the WWF be working a crowd for a slow built studio angle as Bruno Larry. It does not hold the same emotional. No, yeah, it's not. It's not as personal. It's not as that. personal. Yeah, no, but what's okay. personal? That was. That was family well, like, this you, is different but it's still can, just as dramatic I think. oh it's awesome it's awesome i'm just you can you can tell slaughter was getting pushed because uh he got a storyline how many yeah, guys even yeah. got storylines yeah you know? yeah major angle I, I think i think uh this is a great angle i really don't think we gave it the respect it really deserved because i mean it's really i mean just tremendous and stuff and trying to get trying to get it over to everyone listening and stuff so uh where are we going next kelly uh okay uh well we are heading uh, in the quantum leaping Lanny machine once again and heading back to the mid seventies uh, or am I supposed to do the <laughs> the preview for the Cobra Clutch challenge or what? <laughs> no we can we can do all that as uh, we can do all that in the same take if that makes any sense <laughs> okay we'll do the, we'll do like the top and tail so let's just okay uh, so I'm doing. The, the, co- the Cobra coming the out Cobra of the Cobra Clutch Challenge first. No, we're, cu- we're coming out with a Cobra Clutch Challenge show into the next show. Okay, so the 70s. Okay. Uh, all right, yeah, next time uh, we are heading back into the Quantum Leaping Lanny Machine to 1975. And yes, we're going to go to Madison Square Garden as, you know. The footage sort of uh, dictates at the time, and we're going to see Bruno Sammartino and Spiros Arion round two of their feud. Spiros uh, Arion. Yes, I believe a Texas death match, if I'm not mistaken. And we have, I believe, I think no. a five <laughs> have you or six. Been to Texas? No, not me. <laughs> Close to New York. Uh, five or six matches in total from the show. It's March 1975. Mm. Um, some of them may be challenging to get through. I believe uh, Butcher Bashan versus Chief J Strongbow is on the uh, docket. Yeah. It's the main event in the arena, Jess. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be fun, Bashan. though. I mean, and I think part of the show is actually up on the network, if that helps anything. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's partially available. Um, we will... Uh, illuminate the, the the footage with our, our great commentary as always and yes so that's that's next time on Titans of Wrestling check it out